You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 692 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and I'm coming to you live from home for logistical purposes. My apologies on not being uh, live on the scene as I record this, but it's about midnight Eastern time as I'm talking to you right now. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to dive all the way in to what became a 123-115 to loss by the Hawks at the hands of the Denver Nuggets. We'll spend most of the podcast on the game itself and all the twists and turns along the way. I do want to take a second to remind you to subscribe to the podcast. We had three episodes over the weekend, uh, a, a double dose on a Friday night and then another one on a Saturday night. So plain to discuss and uh, catch up on that if you missed anything from that. And of course, looking forward, we'll always be here, etc., etc. So do, go ahead and do that for me. I really appreciate that. Um, as for the game itself. The Hawks came into this spot as seven and a half point underdogs in this game, but also at basically full strength for the first time um, in a while here. Jabari Parker did, did miss the game for the Hawks, which is certainly a you know a loss for Atlanta offensively in particular with the way that Jabari has played at times this season. But coming into the game, there was some concern that the Hawks could be without John Collins and Cam Reddish, but uh, by, by midday they were upgraded to probable and uh, everybody except for Jabari was available by the time the game actually started. The Hawks have won two out of three, and Denver actually been struggling recently, losing two out of their last three. So a pretty good matchup, all things considered, for Atlanta. And, of course, they beat the Nuggets in Denver back in November behind a big night from Trey Young. And that was, a game, that was of course, the game that Kevin Herter got injured in um, that started sort of the spiral from there for the Hawks. But at any rate, the Hawks competed in this game. We'll go through the, uh, I guess, the blow-by-blow blow as we talk, as we talk about it here. But I do want to talk. To, I do want to insert some audio here early on in the podcast. Um, if you watch this game, you probably, as as Hawks fans, if you're probably listening to this podcast, you were likely uh, aware that the officiating was a controversial part of this contest. It was not the entire game, but there was a particular stretch in the second half where it was uh, favoring Denver. It seemed, at least on the outside, looking in the fan. I know, I know the fan base in the building was not very happy. I know some people on Twitter were not very happy as well. And Lloyd Pierce seemingly was not thrilled with the officiating either. I'm going to play you the audio. This is his opening statement, and he was asked one more time later on. But this is kind of the most. Uh, I would say straight ahead discussion. So he's going to talk about some some other stuff here as well. But this is what Lloyd Pierce had to say when he sat down at the podium after the game on Monday. Tough fight by our guys. Um, you know, I thought our guys competed. Fourth quarter execution was a little tough down the stretch. Um, you know, it's tough. You know, he's a good player, but it's tough when you when you don't get a call. Um, I thought our guys were, were banging and battling just as much as he was, and we were on the other end of the whistle on all of them and you know it's hard to tell our guys what to do you know when you blitz you try and send an extra body and you're exposed to to offensive rebounds they didn't have a lot of offensive rebounds but they got a lot of second chance points which leads to fouls Um, and that's really where where the game kind of separated for them Um, you know i thought we were great offensively it was good to see kevin trey deandre really balance it out 18 for 39 for three john in the pick and roll uh, we had the looks we wanted. We knew what we were doing offensively, uh, but just trying to get a stop down the stretch and trying to get a whistle down the stretch was hard for us tonight. And you guys know I don't say that much, but that that, that was bothersome um, to really just try and figure out how to how to guard um, and be physical without being on the bad end of it every single time. And it was literally every single time. So you can sort of 
hear the frustration there from Lloyd Pierce. I will say Pierce, you know, occasional reference a call or two in his postgame address, but um, that's as, as he even acknowledged there as candid as he ever is on officiating. He didn't say enough, in my opinion, to get fine or anything like that, which wouldn't have been out of the ordinary for a lot of head coaches here to be as frustrated as he was. And by the way, Pierce got a technical foul in the second half and was seemingly upset for a very long time in the third quarter. But, you know, coming into the game, I guess coming out of the game now, um, that may not be the biggest takeaway from this game that I that I heard about in my mentions and having watched the game was the, was the controversial officiating, but the Hawks were seemingly bothered by it and I wanted to at least set the stage a little bit and talk about that at the top of the podcast. So, to the game itself, uh, early on in this contest, a lot of back and forth, I would say, the entire first half, really, of this game. A good sequence from the Hawks open, uh, to open this game from Bruno Fernando with a nice uh, layup and a nice block on Gary Harris. And the Hawks led the game 8-3 to in the early going after back-to-back threes from Kevin, Kev, from uh, sorry, DeAndre Hunter and Trey Young. Um, but, but then on cue, an 11-2 run by Denver to take the lead. A lot of back and forth from there. There was an absolutely preposterous pass from Trey Young to Alex Len for a three-point play that made the rounds, and that was an awesome play by Trey. He had a couple of just ridiculous highlights in this game. That was the first one of uh, several. Uh, but the other the other story early on in this game was that Nicole Jokic, by the way, who had who had a career high in this spot, and Jokic has uh, been a star player for a while now. 47 points for Jokic. He had 18 in the first 10 minutes and was chewing up the Hawks and, and also creating foul trouble. Alex Len got two fouls um, in a hurry after not starting the game. They, they, they actually went to Bruno again as a starter in this spot, then brought Alex Len in. He got two fouls almost in almost you know within a couple of minutes, and then he went to Damian Jones for depth. Um, also, in terms of the rotation, the Hawks were very liberal with who they played in the early going. They actually played 12 guys in the first you know 12 and a half minutes of this game. Alan Crabb was number 12 to open the second quarter, but. The Hawks were uh, not messing around, definitely uh, playing a lot of different combinations and trying to see what worked in this game. Um, offensively, though, in the first quarter, it was a very, very positive start. And really the entire game, the offense was actually good. And this gave a 137 offensive rating. In the first 12 minutes, they got they made, they made six threes. Trey Young had 11 points in the first quarter and a lot of positives there, despite the defense kind of struggling in the early going. Then the Hawks got down in the second quarter and looked to be on a little bit of shaky ground for parts of that period. An 18-6 run by the Nuggets to open second quarter. Um, the Hawks scored three points in the first five minutes of the second quarter and just could not. I mean, it was both ends of the floor, but offensively, that was kind of the only time in the whole game when the Hawks just scuffled big time offensively and it um, resulted in a big time deficit. But on cue, a nice response from the Hawks in that spot. A 13-4 run out of a timeout um, featuring threes by Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter and Alex Len three-point play and then a big-time dunk by John Collins on Nikola Jokic to uh, wrestle some of the, of the momentum back in their favor. There was uh, a late run by the Nuggets to go up by eight at the halftime break, but again, the offense was pretty good. In the first half, defensively, the stops were just kind of few and far between. The Hawks did attempt 26 threes in the first half, which is a good thing, in my opinion. I know that's not always uh, the consensus viewpoint to attempt a lot of threes, but with the way the Hawks were getting looks in this game and their offense, I thought it was a very good sign that they were able to get up as many shots as they were from beyond the arc, and they made 11 of them in the first half. And uh, also Alex Len was plus four, um, and the Hawks were still down by eight um, at, at the halftime break because he only played 11 minutes. And uh, as we said before and numerous times, he was, he's, he was the best option in this game. We'll come back to that at a later date. <laughs> um, what, 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 I should say a later part of this podcast. Um, the third quarter was a mixed bag. I think the whole second half really was in a, lot, in a lot of ways. The Hawks won the third quarter. That was the quarter that they were, uh, I guess, technically the best in, if you want to say they, they were plus three in the quarter. Um, the early going, though, John Collins got a loose ball foul 
on the first possession of, of the third quarter for his third foul. That was a big call in a lot of ways. Um, they actually, pretty quickly after that, pulled Bruno Fernando out after he, he had a very rough stint to open the third quarter, a pretty shaky one from Bruno. They went small briefly because Lim was still in foul trouble. And uh, they wanted to steal some minutes, I think. But they went with John Collins at the five and Vince Carter at the four. And with Collins already having three fouls, that was pretty bold. I didn't love that at the time. I tweeted about it, so this is not revisionist. I did not love that decision by Pierce to go with Collins at center against Jokic in a matchup where he has to guard Jokic in in that spot with three fouls and you can't afford to be without him. And then almost immediately he got his fourth foul. Now, I will say, and this has to be said, it was a terrible call. Uh, an absolutely terrible call, and Pierce immediately challenged it because it was such a bad call. On and on the replay, I'm not sure how it wasn't even overturned. Um, Pierce lost the challenge. Uh, that call was terrible, and it kind of swung the game in a lot of ways. You know, Collins wasn't his absolute best in this spot, but obviously the Hawks need him on the court as much as possible. And suddenly, that swing, the Hawks have their their, their second best player have four fouls, and they already had a lot of foul trouble up and down the roster. So that was big. They had to take. Um, they had to take Collins out at that point in time and go to Alex Len and Vince Carter, which isn't the greatest alignment early on in the, four, in the third quarter against a very, very good basketball team. So that ended up being a big one. But the Hawks did respond shortly after that. It was a pretty ugly offensive sequence for both time, for both teams early in the third quarter, aside from the foul stuff. There were 12 combined points in about the first four and a half minutes, almost five minutes of the first, uh, sorry, of the third quarter. It was pretty brutal to watch. But Kevin Herter got hot after that. He hit three consecutive threes to cut the lead from nine down to two. Um, there was a nine to two personal run by Kevin with those three threes. He had five threes at that point in time. That was a huge stretch by him. Um, Young actually had to sit a little bit earlier after he got his third foul and the Hawks were able to hold up without him during that stretch for the most part. They still uh, you know, needed him to come back quickly. Um, and uh, by the way, Alex Lynn got his fourth foul um, quickly in the third quarter as well after cracking Jamal Murray on a screen. Um, then that forced... Pierce to have to go Damian Jones for the second time, which didn't go particularly well either. So a lot of foul trouble stuff, and that kind of leans into the above comments on the officiating. All that stuff. Uh, we'll come back to that one more time later, I'm sure. Um, but the, in general, the officiating was kind of a mess. And Pierce, as I said before, earned the technical foul. I think he was pretty much chewing out the official for most of the third quarter, starting with the Collins play that was a terrible call, and kind of going all the way through. So I think he did earn. The, I think he did earn the T. The Hawks did survive largely on the strength of a, uh, a strong finish to the quarter. Um, but Jokic had 40 through three quarters, and that is. Uh, yeah, that's bad enough. <laughs> obviously, he was really good in this game on his own, but that was a problem, obviously. Uh, to the fourth quarter, we go. The Hawks go small early on with John Collins at the, at the five um, with four fouls, which was an interesting decision. I was okay with it, and they actually played that way at the end of the game as well. Um, people were criticizing that. I'm not really sure why, because, you know, there was some criticism of Lynn, which we'll come back to, but um, the Hawks couldn't play a center was, a was a, was a, I, I, I guess, a sentiment that I was hearing. If the, if the Hawks are losing late in the game and they can go to Collins at center, they're going to do that. And the Hawks were losing the entire way. Now, defensively, they couldn't get stops down the stretch, which definitely matters. But um, if you're ever going to, go, going to go small on offense first, it's when you're losing, and the Hawks were losing. So I was totally okay with them going small at the end of the game, even if it didn't exactly work. So uh, I would say the biggest single moment of the, of the game maybe might have been when the Hawks had scored five straight points and they had the ball with a chance to take the lead. They're down one at that point in time, about you know eight minutes to go or so, something like that. Um, then Collins gets stripped 
on a duck attempt from behind, which was an interesting play. I think he, if he ducks it, to, if he ducks it with two hands, he probably gets fouled and one. But he tried to do a, a sort of a, a one hand power finish that got stripped out of his hands. No big deal there. But then the Hawks inbound the ball. Collins attempts a three and misses it on the right side. On the right side, and on the next play, the Nuggets score on a buzzer beating backdoor cut to beat the shot clock buzzer to go back up by three. Then the Hawks don't score again, and the Nuggets hit a three to go up by six, and then that, then there's a timeout with seven minutes to go. So a pretty big swing in that spot. Again, there were more high-profile plays later on when the Hawks just couldn't get stops, but that stretch was kind of a brutal one where the Hawks did have the ball in their hands in the fourth quarter with a chance to take the lead, and they did not do that. And from that point forward, they never led. Um, they had to give Trey Young a rest uh, for about 90 seconds, and they had and they did not go to Goodwin, which Goodwin, which I thought was interesting. The Hawks went without a point guard in that in that time. It didn't go very well without without Trey on the court um, briefly during that time. But they got Trey back in the game without too much damage done. And of course, people were talking about why Young came out of the game. And it's like, guys, he can't play 14 minutes straight, so he has to come out at some point. It was probably pretty pretty well timed, all things considered. And then momentarily after that, he hit a. Uh, Deep three after the Hawks got three stops in a row. Um, I I had just been talking about this on Twitter during the game. Um, at this point in time, the Hawks just could not get stops. And then right on cue, they got three in a row. And then Trey hits the three. They're down by two with 4.24 to go. But from there, the Nuggets scored on seven consecutive trips. Now, that's the biggest high-profile moment of the game, probably in the way that I discussed it, what a lot of people did. They just could not get stops at the end of the game. You know, seven in a row isn't, like, completely flukish. It does happen during some games, but in that spot... To not get a stop in seven straight trips is the reason. If you want to pick one reason why the Hawks didn't win this game, that was probably it. Inability to get stops at the end of the contest. Um, Young turned it over, and then Murray got a layup to go by six. Then Herter did hit a three, his sixth of the game, and a tying a tying a career high to get back within three. Um, in the latter, you know, last three and a half minutes or so, the Hawks were down three. But from there, Jokic scores, Collins, Collins misses a three, and then Murray scores again to go up by seven with 2.30 to go. At that point, it's definitely teetering. Then Herter misses a floater, and then despite actually a really nice block by John Collins that's going to be forgotten um, because the ball kind of came right back to where it came from, and that allowed the Nuggets to score again. And then suddenly, with two minutes to go, the Hawks are down nine, and it's probably over at that point in time. Trade to get to the line, make, making both. But then Jokic had another tough fadeaway. After that, Collins scored, and then one more time, last time, in the seventh straight time, Murray gets an easy bucket at the rim to go up by nine points with about, with about 110, 120 to go, and then Trey misses, and that's kind of the end of the game. Um, so, you know, the Hawks lose this game by eight points, and again, it wasn't all the fourth quarter defense, but big picture-wise, they just couldn't get stops in this game. I know at times I thought the defense was actually pretty acceptable, and Jokic made a lot of, especially in the first half, I thought Jokic made a, a lot of tough shots, and they you kind of have to let him shoot jumpers, and Jokic has not been great this season. This is by far the best game that he's had this this whole year against anyone, but between Jokic and Will Barton, they made a lot of contested shots that the Hawks were probably okay with. I, Lloyd Pierce seemed to be fine with the defensive effort in this game. He seemed to be fine with, with, with the execution in this game. It was just the combination of Jokic being really, really good, not getting a lot of calls, being in foul trouble, and then the end of the game where they just couldn't get stopped. So that all that stuff kind of feeds on feeds on itself. But um, in the end, the Hawks go down by an eight-point margin. A couple things to talk, to talk about here in a second, but before we get to the big picture stuff from this game, I do want to take a quick moment to take a word from our sponsor. So hold on tight. We'll be, we'll be right back with more of Hawks Nuggets. All right, and we're back. Um, before we get to the individual stuff in this game, some big picture takeaways from the performance as a whole. Defensively, the Hawks allowed a 128 defensive rating. Now, that is quite bad. Again, 
It's not all on Atlanta's defense. There were some times where it was actually pretty good defensively in this game comparatively to where the Hawks have been in the past. And I do think compared to the doldrums, this is a much better performance defensively and obviously overall from the Hawks. But still, the end of the game was a reminder of the shortcomings of his team at the moment at times defensively. Um, they do have some talent looking ahead to the future. Even Collins made a nice play at the rim. Obviously, Hunter um, and Reddish have some talent defensively. But I thought Hunter was not good defensively in this game, in my opinion. And Reddish didn't play a whole lot in this spot, which we'll come back to later. So not the greatest lineups in the world are playing Vince Carter because they have to kind of in some ways. It was basically you're choosing offense defense between Len and Carter, and that's not ideal either. Um, so just a lot of defensive mishaps in this game. And it, it, it definitely took some heroics from Jokic to get there. But a 128 defensive rating is not going to win you a lot of games, especially against a good team like Denver. So we'll leave that there for now. Offensively, it was actually quite good in this game. A 119 offensive rating against a good Nuggets defense. It's not a great defense. This is like a top 12 defense, not, not, not an elite one. But still, having to take care of business in this spot, you know, they're playing against a defense that is that was keyed in. They, they, weren't, they weren't messing around in this game. Denver played nine guys. Uh, they were not you know, kidding around here. So just go out and score a bunch of points um, from, from the Hawks in this spot. is pretty encouraging. They shot 46% from three. That was very good. The volume did drop in the second half. I wish it, I wish it hadn't, but uh, still a pretty efficient day from three-point range. They made 84% of the free throws in this game, only 10 turnovers for the Hawks. That's a very good number as well. So a lot of positive offensive takeaways in this spot. And um, you can't really argue too much with, with the way they played offensively. Other numbers to keep in mind here, though, the Hawks had a bad job keeping... Um, I, I, that's actually not true. I also said a bad job on, on the defensive glass. That's not true at all. The Hawks did a good job on the defensive glass in terms of actual volume. They rebounded 80, 81% of their misses defensively. That is very, very good and better than they usually ever do on the defensive glass. The Nuggets only had seven offensive rebounds in this game. So that alone is a good thing. Now, from there, though, when the Nuggets did get the extra possessions, they capitalized in a huge way. They had 20 second chance points in this game. Now that is just a massive, you know, probably a fluke in some respects, but still, according to the NBA.com data, 20 second chance points is uh, really brutal. And also the Nuggets outscored the Hawks 58 to 34 in the paint. Part of that is the Hawks, the Hawks took a lot more threes, which takes away that, but the Hawks just could not get stops around the rim against Jokic and company. So all that to say, some, fr some frustrating stuff, I'm sure, if you're a Hawks fan in this game, but still a lot of positives as well if you choose to find them, even if it was kind of a frustrating performance on the whole in terms of the, cr of the crunch time stuff and the officiating, etc., etc. To the individual portion of the podcast, we'll go on the bench first, and the Hawks played 12 guys. That's a lot. Um, the 13th guy was Paul Watson, who the Hawks signed um, in this game. Lloyd Pierce, actually, <laughs> sorry, before this game, the Hawks... Um, <laughs> I guess agreed to that deal a couple days ago and then officially announced it before, before the game started. But Pierce, um, when asked about Watson before the game, was pretty candid, said he didn't know a whole lot about him other than he can really shoot it, which we kind of already knew and talking about that on the podcast and other, other things. But he did not play. He was the only guy who was active that did not play. The inactives in this game um, for the Hawks were obviously Parker, who was injured, uh, Evan Turner, Chandler Parsons, and then Charlie Brown, who was called up today, but was not uh, active because the Hawks only had 13 guys uh, that could be available and they decided to go with Watson instead. But other than that, everybody else played. But there were four guys that did not play a whole lot in this game. Damian Jones, six minutes. Did get to the free throw line four times, made, made all four, but defensively it was kind of a mess for Damian. Um, I think, I, I still believe this fully, if there was not injury, sorry, not injury, but foul trouble stuff for Alex Lynn, Bruno Fernando, and John Collins, I think, I think Damian, Damian was not going to play in this game. That, that's my guess. I could be wrong, but he didn't play a whole lot there, and it was pr pretty much all foul-driven, in my opinion. Brandon Goodwin, only seven minutes. He did not play at all um, late in this spot. They went to 
Again, they went away from point guard when they gave Trey his rest. I thought Brandon was okay, but they were minus 10 in his stretch, which which could have probably contributed to uh, the decision not to play him more. Alan Crabb was quiet in this spot. He was actually minus 14 in nine minutes. That's kind of... Obviously, pretty bad. He made his only he made his only shot, but defensive, defensively, Crab can be exposed, and I think he was at times in this game. And DeAndre Bembry, ten minutes off the bench. It was not good Bembry. There's usually good Bembry and bad Bembry at times in this in his career, and this is not a great game for DeAndre. He wasn't absolutely terrible, but certainly not a great game by his standards. The three guys who did play real minutes off the bench were Vince Carter at 18. Vince missed all four of his three. It's just so tough to play Vince if he's not going to make shots. I do understand. People were asking this after the game, and I understand the question why the Hawks go to Vince so much in crunch time. Number one is they trust him, which you could argue with that, but I think it's very clear that Pierce just trusts Vince to execute. Now, whether that's going to be great all the time is a different question, but when you're trying to run different schemes, that's something that they definitely want to rely on. I think, you know, when Jabari's healthy, it could have been Jabari, but Vince is an option for them. And they clearly trusted him a little bit more than some others in this spot. And I think also his physicality defensively. I know he's not a great defender, but they do trust him to be just sort of that old man strong stuff when you're asking him to kind of maybe guard bigger guys like Paul Millsap or even Jokic at times in this game. So that would be why on that front you could argue with it, and I will do that probably at a later time. But Vince was not great. He wasn't terrible either despite the uh, 0 for 4. did have two block shots, which is kind of funny, and one of them was actually quite nice from Vince. Um, the two guys who actually played bigger, bigger minutes than that, though, Cam Reddish, 19 minutes off the bench, 7 points, 3 rebounds, and an assist for Cam. Made a, he was actually 1 of 2 from 3. You know, I thought defensively he was pretty pretty solid in this game. I think he probably should have played more, which is interesting because I'm not sure I've argued that a whole lot this year, but I think defensively Cam was probably better than everybody else was on the wing in this spot in this game. And offensively, he didn't kill them. Obviously, he wasn't like terribly robust offensively, but I thought he was actually okay, and I could have used some more of Reddish given the way that he was playing. And then Alex Lynn played 21 minutes off the bench, 10 points, only one rebound, which is going to get circled, I know, a lot, but people focused on that after the game. I'm not really sure why, because he's been a pretty good rebounder this year overall, but had an assist and a steal, five fouls, which cut, to, which cut the minutes down. He was plus four. Again, plus four in the 21 minutes with Alex Len and minus 12 without him. That kind of speaks to the impact that Alex Len makes. He was not fantastic in this game by any means. He was 2-7 from the floor. He missed four free throws. It was not a great Alex Len game, but as I said on Twitter before I started recording this podcast, if you thought that the defensive problem was Alex Len, you were mistaken. Uh, I understand that if you look at just if you just want to make center versus center of the matchup and talk about what Jokic did, I understand that. But a, a lot of that was not against Alex Len, and b the way the Hawks were executing. Lynn was asked to do a ridiculous amount of rim protection in this game, um, and that's some of that's by design. And again, Lynn was not fantastic, but. I, I, I would implore you to watch the game again and watch it closer on the defensive end if you thought that Lem was the problem because he absolutely was not defensively the issue in this game. Again, not, not his best work, but uh, it's, once again, leaps and bounds better than Bruno Fernando, leaps and bounds better than Damian Jones. And I tweeted this before the game even started, but I think Alex Lynn is now firmly established, again, as a like a high-end backup, potentially a low-end starter. Is he a starter on a, on a championship team? No, he's not. But Alex Len is a rotation player on most teams in the league, if not all the teams in the league. He is very, very solid. He's not a great player, but um, he's not the guy you have to worry about, I promise you. Uh, <laughs> to the starting lineup, we'll leave it there for now. Bruno Fernando, 10 minutes. Um, foul stuff for Bruno. Also, again, the third quarter stint was just disastrous. Honestly, he was really bad. The first quarter stint was actually a little bit better than he's been recently. He was taking some blows from Jokic, but you, you could definitely tell he was overmatched in a way that, as much as Len struggled, he was not as overmatched as Fernando was around the rim, and just Bruno's execution at times is just 
sort of head scratching. He's a rookie. It'll get better. Um, Elsewhere, down here, Hunter, I thought his offensive numbers look, make him look better than he actually was in this game. He had 16 points. He made it, he made a bunch of shots. He, he, he made four threes, which you can't teach. You have to have that. And it's good to see him letting it fly. He actually attempted eight shots from three. That's a good sign for DeAndre, and I, I'm still very pro DeAndre Hunter. I thought defensively he was not good in this game. He's not been terribly physical recently. Um, I kind of positively jinxed him because I tweeted, I think, around the halftime break that he was not very good. Um, lately, which I, I still believe. But after that, he I think he scored like nine points in the next six minutes, something like that, which is always kind of funny when I do that to re- either reverse jinx or negatively jinx somebody. But I, d- I didn't think that DeAndre was great. I know the numbers look okay. 16 points, three rebounds, three assists, and a steal. But defensively, it was a little bit shaky. He's got, he's got to be better on that end of the floor. And at the moment, it's kind of funny, but Reddish is better defensively than Hunter. And that is something that I did not anticipate happening early on, even as someone who was very, very, very pro-Reddish defense coming in after the draft. I think right now, just one versus one, Reddish is a better defender, which is kind of surprising to say out loud, but I think that's where we are at this particular moment, even if Hunter is more uh, physically gifted in terms of strength and maybe being more versatile against bigger guys. Reddish against smaller guys is better, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but I thought it was an interesting takeaway that I had from this game. Um Last three guys who are, are sort of the headliners here, and Lloyd Pierce made, it a, Pierce made it a point to talk about the fact that they're now about 85 minutes, at least that's what he said out loud. I haven't checked that number back. Um, all season long with Young, Herter, and Collins, the three returning guys from the core from last year, and obviously the injury stuff and the suspension stuff and all that stuff's going has happened. That's one of the reasons why the Hawks have been as bad as they've been, is those three, those three guys not playing a whole lot together. But it was good to see them play together in this game. John Collins was not great by his standards. He had 17 points on 15 shots. That's not as efficient as he normally is. He's 1-6 of six from 3. Um, but 5 rebounds, 3 assists, had 2 blocked shots. In fact, defensively, he did, he did a pretty decent job. Jokic is a bad matchup for Collins in particular. If you're playing Collins at the center spot, it's not going to work against Jokic for the most part defensively. But I thought he was okay in this game, even if the numbers weren't fantastic. In the backcourt, Kevin Herter and Trey Young both were very good offensively. Um, Herter had 22 points and 8 rebounds to lead the team, which is noteworthy from Herter. Um, he's not always so physical, but he was pretty good in this game, and shot the ball very, very well. 8 of 12 from the floor, 6 of 8 from 3 to tie a career high from Kevin, and he got some praise from Lloyd Pierce after the game. I think he's been playing quite well recently. Overall, I mean, Herter, after some well-documented struggles, and they were struggles, I, I think he was not playing terribly well for a large um, a large portion of time. But in recent days, like, Herter's production is just way up, and that's not it's kind of undeniable. The last, the last four games, 22 on Monday, he had 26 on Saturday, 17 on Friday, and then 19 against Orlando. Before that, he had, he had 19 against Cleveland. So, you know, now, after some rough times, I believe he's scored, yes, uh, double digits in six out of the last seven games and 17 or more in five of the last seven games. So he's coming on in a big way. Good to see that from Kevin Herter, and we'll come back to that at a later date. Um, Trey Young, as usual, was very, very good offensively in this game. 29 points, 12 assists, four rebounds. He was six, sorry, 8 of 12 from the floor, 4 of 5 from 3, 9 of 9 from the free throw line. So incredibly efficient. And it's, it's rare to see Trey only attempt 12 shots. Obviously, some of that's free throws as well. But he had seven turnovers. That's the one downside. And I thought a couple of times in the, in the fourth quarter, he had some really costly and bad turnovers, which is okay. I mean, it's going to happen every once in a while. It hurt the team's chances to win this game. But without his offensive prowess, they don't have a chance to win this game anyway. Uh, defensively, it was a mixed bag, to be sure. There were some really bad moments. There, it wasn't his worst. It wasn't his best by any means. Probably a little bit below average, I would say, by Trey's defense. But, you know, if you want to, 
put out a positive. Jamal Murray wasn't the one that was cooking the, the Hawks in this game. It was more about Jokic and Barton, which were not really tra- Trey's responsibility. So, alas, I, I will say Monty Morris gave him some fits at times. And Monty is not the most physical athlete in the world, but he was crafty and kind of separating. Trey's defense can kind of look bad at times. But offensively, again, he was fantastic. And the Hawks needed it in a big way. So, I said a lot about this game. You know, one more time to sort of wrap it all up here. The officiating was bad. I think the Hawks... You know, have have some gripes there, the, rightfully, and the way that the game was officiated put them in a bad spot, foul trouble wise, and also just handling Jokic wise. Still, though, defensively, it was not good, um, especially when it counted. I mean, I, I think it's there's some coincidence involved with seven straight times of the Nuggets scoring, but I can't I can't get over that stat. Just the fact that they did not get a stop for seven straight trips, you're just going to lose if that happens, and it happened in this game. Still, positives offensively positives with the way the individual guys played and uh, a competitive effort against a good team at home and nothing wrong with that effort overall and I think the Hawks are certainly playing better basketball now than they have really any point since the first couple weeks of the season so that's good to see in a lot of ways so after this the Hawks have a have a day off on Tuesday they'll probably practice I would imagine or at least have a uh, shoot around of some of some sort some sort of light practice and then a Wednesday game against the Houston Rockets at home if you remember that game from Houston earlier in the season it was an absolute blood bloodbath I should say where the Hawks were down by 50 plus in the third quarter that was a uh, the most lopsided result of the whole season to this point in time in terms of just the actual snowball rolling down the hill. It was explainable and that it was a back-to-back in some ways, but uh, the Hawks will be hopefully up for that game, so they're not as embarrassing as they were the last time that they played the Rockets. And apparently, according to some of the reporting, Russell Westbrook's not going to play in that game. So the Nuggets, uh, sorry, the Rockets will be a little bit shorthanded in that spot. We'll see how the all that stuff comes out with the betting line, et cetera, et cetera. But the Hawks seem to be fairly healthy coming out of this game, aside from Jabari Parker, and we'll see how they look on Wednesday. Um, if nothing happens between now and then, I'm going to save my next episode for after the game on Wednesday. And a programming note, I'm actually going to be traveling this upcoming, upcoming weekend, so I'm probably going to have to combine the recap podcast into one from the game on Friday and the game on Sunday. My apologies for that. I don't, I don't love doing that, but occasionally I have to do it. So hopefully you guys will forgive me, and I'm going to try to give you another show after the game on um, Wednesday, between the game on Wednesday and the uh, trip starting for me on Friday. I will hopefully record another podcast on Thursday, but we'll get, we'll get to that later. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend or two two or three about the show. Leave five-star feedback as well. If you enjoy the program, that's huge to uh, get us noticed by other people. I really appreciate that as well. And if nothing else, I will see everybody uh, right here in this space again after the game on Wednesday.